Hello, and welcome to Diagnosis Wonderlust, Chapter 1. I was going to do my first episode being an interview with myself, basically, and kind of introducing myself to my listeners, both friends, family, and I guess if you want to say fans. I don't think I have fans yet, at least. Um, But instead, because I've been so slow getting this on the road, I have decided to do a New Year's Eve podcast instead, where I kind of just review the past year, the past 10 years, and I think that'll that'll give away and kind of show who I am as well, just as well as answering random questions from Google would. Alright, so first order of business is to tell everyone Happy New Year. Welcome to 2020. I hope this year is full of clear vision. I hope it's full of love. I hope it's full of laughter. I hope that there's no bullshit for you. And I hope that you grab it by the face and tell it who is the boss. I am Jake and this is Diagnosis Wonderlust. This is chapter one. And it's just kind of a cool down or warm up or whatever you want to call it to introduce you to me and to kind of review the last year 10 years of my wonderful world. Um, First things first, I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, the beautiful Big Easy, and it has been the most magical two years of my life so far. And I've had some pretty magical years in my life. I've lived in great places. I have met amazing people. But so far, New Orleans has felt the most like home for me inside the United States. Obviously for me, Ireland and Belfast and Dublin and Cork and just the entire Emerald Isle feels like home to me. But as far as stateside, uh, New Orleans has so far been number one. Uh, I don't want to leave. I have I have no plans to leave. Um, I always joke that across the last 10 years, that's tied all in together, I guess, I have lived in, I guess, four different cities. I've traveled across the world. Um, and I always joke that within a month or two or three or six months, I'm always planning my next escape to see where I'm going to go next. Um, And for whatever reason, New Orleans really hasn't given me a chance to get over it yet. And so it's exciting for me to know that I might have found the place that I could call home forever. Who knows? We'll see. Um, I come from a little little city called Carrollton, Georgia. Uh, born and raised in Carrollton, uh, lived in a little town called Mount Zion. It um, is about 15 minutes away from Carrollton, but uh, it's basically the same city. It's just there's no red lights. The police force gets off at 10 p.m. Everyone knows your name. It's basically a poor little Mayberry type town, um, but it's one of those cities that You can drive down the road and get waved at by every single person on their porch. Um, And chances are they're probably related to you somehow. Aunt, uncle, cousin, who knows. Uh, So that's where I'm from, where I live now. Uh, Let's see. So 10 years ago was 2009. And I had been out of school for three years. High school, that is. And um, out of the closet for two years. No, three years. Yeah, I came out in 2006. So, um, yeah, I was really just, I think, in my, in my prime of figuring out who the hell I actually am. A 21-year-old kid who 
was figuring out my place in the world um, and who I was inside of the world. Kind of exciting times, I suppose. Um, in 2013, I decided to leave Carrollton and move to a little town called Statesboro, Georgia for school. I wanted to get my degree in hotel tourism and restaurant management and kind of focus on the hotel and tourism side of it and not so much the restaurant because I like to eat too much to know what actually happens in the kitchen. <laughs> so um, I moved to Statesboro, uh, which is about 45 minutes away from Savannah, Georgia, which most of you know is like Georgia's most historic, beautiful, I mean, amazing city. Uh, very Irish, very Scottish, very European feeling, but it's definitely got its southern charms for sure. Um, and that is where I actually met Lindsay Callahan, who many of you know is basically my person, my sounding board, my spirit animal. She is the person that I can go to with anything and know that I'm going to get the God's honest truth, know that I'm going to get the best advice because she loves me so much that she doesn't filter a damn thing. And that's what we all need. Or that's what I need in my life is someone, I don't need a yes man or a yes woman. I need someone who's like, I love you, but here's the cold hard facts. And Lindsay became that person for me pretty much immediately. Um, I, I, I knew Lindsay's family for years. I was friends with her older sisters. I love her moms. I love everybody in her whole family I have met been around and fallen in love with and Lindsay was really the final puzzle piece um, to that glorious puzzle that is the Callahan clan uh, and it, she just kind of fit in my life perfectly and I fit in her life perfectly and it's been almost seven years now and we are still going strong and it's just it's it's it's, it's a testament to how patient she is because I promise you, Jake is not an easy person to love or be around all the time or talk to. I get in my head. I have these emotional moments. I have anxiety. I have, to, I have some kind of depression. It's, and she's been there for me literally, literally through everything. And I cannot thank her enough. Um, she is 100% my favorite person in the world. Um, besides my mama, of course. Uh, but yeah, she is a beautiful soul. She is a beautiful mother. Um, her son Dawson and her amazing husband Ross are part of my life now that you could, you could not replace it. And I wouldn't try to if I had to. Um, they are literally some of the best parts of my life. The best memories of my life come from Ross and Lindsay. The best laughs, the best cries, the best... I mean, we... I would say that between 2013 and 2017, I was living around them and with them and spending all my time with them. I grew up in those four years and I really developed who I was as a person. And I really learned who I wanted to be as a friend because Lindsay showed me what it was to be just a genuine, good, kind friend. And so for that, I can, I can never say thank you enough ever. Um, in 2017, I was promoted from Walmart in Statesboro. I promoted up to an assistant store manager for Walmart in Charleston. And I moved to Charleston 
Um, pretty much immediately once I got the job offer, uh, and living in Charleston was one of the coolest experiences of my life because it was the first time that I'd lived in a different state. Uh, besides Ireland, it was the farthest that I had lived somewhere long term. Um, it was the first time that I had like my own space that wasn't like a dorm room or wasn't like a college, you know, off-campus housing. It was the first time that I bought furniture for an entire house. It was the first time that my car got robbed. It was the first time that, um, I mean, I had so many great firsts in Charleston. Um, and it's all thanks to Walmart. Charleston is also where I met Kevin. And Kevin was my co-manager at the time. But now that I think that the uh, the time frames run out, we were also roommates for the ending of my time in Charleston. Um, and Kevin really was one of those people in Charleston who I could just trust and love and not have to question him or his intentions or his motives. He was just a pure, funny asshole most times of the day. But... He was my favorite person to be around in Charleston. And still to this day, I talk to him and get advice from him. I don't always listen. Sorry, Kevin. But I do I do trust his advice. And I trust his gut instinct. He's a smart dude. And he knows what the hell he's talking about most times. He has found, which I don't want to talk about it for him, but I'm so happy to see that he has found true love, I think. Um... And Tucker, he has found somebody who genuinely just loves the shit out of him and loves to be around him and appreciates the man that he is because Kevin's a great fucking dude. Um, at the end of the day, he's one of those guys that like you want in your corner. And Kevin's the type that once he's in your corner, he is in your corner. And there's, there, there's, there's, no, there's no backing down. No matter how far away you move, no matter how long it's been since you've talked, he will pick up the phone. He is always there for you. And if you guys don't have a Kevin in your life, you need to find one because they are valuable and they are irreplaceable 100%. Um, at the end of 2018, or the beginning of 2018, I ended up moving back home to Georgia for a few random reasons. Um, and getting a job. Well, I just transferred Walmarts to the one in Rome, Georgia. Living in Carrollton, but working in Rome, Georgia. I lived with Rhea Kirk, who I had known through Lindsay, because her and Lindsay were best friends, but I'd never like had a chance to really get along with her because we just we were pop-in, pop-out friends. You know, New Year's Eve or... St. Patrick's Day or whatever it may be, she'd pop in, we'd have an amazing time, we would laugh our asses off, um, but never had a chance to really like dig in there and figure out who the hell Rhea was. Uh, I lived with her, and once again, she became somebody in my life that will never be replaced. Uh, She is so genuine, she's so funny, she is such a creative person. She is such a bougie bitch. Her love language is gifts. And she will tell you that herself. That is not shade. That is not tea. That is just... That's common knowledge. Um, 
And she now is a beautiful mother. Starling um, is so lucky to have you guys in his life. Um, and it's so awesome for me to see people, you, Lindsay, Kevin, who I've watched go from doing body shots on bars to getting lost in Savannah to running around the streets of Charleston to now being these like grown-ass adults doing the damn thing and I love it I I cherish every phone call every picture every video that I get of you guys living your best lives it makes me happy to know that in some way I'm a little bit a part of it and it, it just it, it makes me happy to know that you guys are doing so damn well um, because y'all all the loves of my life obviously uh, so about I guess almost two years ago now I was in a rut I guess with Walmart um, I was up for promotion to co-manager I did a co-manager walk I was told oh you're next you're the next best thing whatever and then literally the Monday after I was told that the walk went perfect we were let no, we were we were told that the co-manager roles were being severely cut. Some stores would only have one. Some stores would have none. Um, and my store manager at the time in Rome basically looked at me. He said, "This is it for you right now. You can stay here, or you can spread your wings and try something else." Because technically, I had worked at Walmart from the time that I was 17 until I was 29, 30, and so. When he told me that, I began you know, thinking of, of escape plans, which is what I do. Uh, if, if things get tough, if things get boring, if things get mundane, I began looking for something else. And um, so I took a five-day vacation in January to New Orleans. And the moment that I got out of my car and checked into my hostel, I knew that something was different about this location. And I was there for five days and fell in love with it. I came home, talked to Rhea, and I was like, just so you know, I'm moving to New Orleans soon. And a few weeks later, I had a job offer with Lowe's Home Improvement. And I moved a few, a month, a month or so later. And that is really how I got to New Orleans. Um, and that's where we will begin the last year, year and a half of my life. Before we discuss the last year, year and a half of my life, let's hear from our lovely sponsor, Anchor. All right, welcome back to Diagnosis Wonderlust. This is Jake. Hope you guys are enjoying it so far. This is chapter one, and it's kind of an all about me, all about Jake. Last 10 years, last year, a recap and a reintroduction to moi. Um, We left off with me moving to New Orleans, and honestly, this is probably the most important part of my story so far, because the last year and a half, two years, has genuinely been one of the most eye-opening, self-development, terrifying, rewarding, um, painful, uh, time in my life, I, I, I have learned so much about myself and so much about just life in general in the past year and a half, two years, 
that I don't know I can explain it or give it justice in a matter of minutes on a podcast, but I'm going to try. Um, if I were to tell you that I had to work hard to fit in or, or work hard to make it or work hard to get what I wanted my entire life, that would be a complete and total lie. I am very blessed to have never had to worry for most things. Um, I've never had to worry about fitting in. I've never had to worry about you know feeling normal. Even as a closeted gay man in the South, I never felt ostracized. I never felt as if I wasn't enough. I never felt less than. Um, and that's 100% some kind of privilege, whether it's white privilege, male privilege, or whatever, it's some kind of privilege for sure. And I'm, I'm thankful for it growing up because it made my life easy. But as an adult by myself in a faraway land, um, it kind of fucked me up. Honestly, I came to terms with the fact that Hey, Jake, you might have a mental illness. (laughs) About a year and a half ago, I I went through some stuff in Charleston, South Carolina with work um, that got my anxiety levels so high that my entire body was shaking, my heart was racing, I threw up, and that, that that began the process of me thinking like, all right, bro, like, bro, like, maybe you, you, you might need to see somebody or talk to somebody or, or something. But honestly, I just suppressed it. I could not come to terms with the fact that I might need to ask someone for help for something. And it's 100% an ego situation where I was embarrassed to say, help, I need help. I'm drowning, I need help. Um, so I just pushed it down. I swallowed it down. And for probably a year, I just dealt with it. And by dealt with it, I mean I did not deal with it at all. It came up in my anger. It came out in my mood swings. It came out in my work. It came out in my family relationships. It came out in my best friend relationships. It literally it manifested itself in other ways. To the point that I began questioning if I was just crazy. And it's one of those things that like, I'm so glad that I've, I've gone through it. And I'm here where I am today. Because I have de- I had developed myself to know some triggers. And I developed myself to know kind of how to take care of myself better. But it has been a journey to say the very least. Um, and I guess about a year ago, I decided to make a very public, very raw as a friend of mine called me yesterday, um, a very raw and real post about where I was mentally. Um, it was tough for me because I'm not an attention seeker. I, I don't like to have the focus on me. I I, I don't, if I had to choose between someone talking about me good or not at all, I think I would choose not at all because I don't like the idea of someone thinking about me enough to, to, to begin a conversation or a discussion and it freaks me out so the idea of me like coming out of the sad closet um, was tough because 
I didn't want to have questions asked. I didn't want to have people assume that I was just trying to get attention. I didn't want people to even ask me if I was okay. The idea of someone taking their time to ask me, this white male in the the 20 teens, if he's okay, I, I felt pathetic because there are so many people who are hurting so much worse than me that the idea of me taking any attention away from them felt like a disservice to people who, in my mind back then, actually needed help or actually had a problem. Um, I did not understand my mental health. I did not understand mental health in general enough to know that there's different levels, there's different ticks, there's different different things, but everyone needs to feel okay or feel seen. And for me, I genuinely always felt like I was dependent on to be funny or to be in a good mood or to take care of stuff or, I mean, I always felt like it was my responsibility to be okay. And that is such an exhausting responsibility to have um, as a teenager or as an adult It's very tough to feel like everyone's always watching you to be the okay one. When sometimes, at the end of the day, you're not fucking okay. (laughs) And that is okay. And so it it, it took such a long time for me to realize that it is 100% okay to fall apart. And over the past year, I've fallen apart over and over again. I mean, there have been days where I literally have no desire to get out of my bed whatsoever. There are days that I it is literally painful to me to do things besides just sit there and watch the TV with a dumb brain. I mean, and that's not who I am. I've always been social. I've always been out there, outgoing. But, I all, but looking back now, I always realize that after a social event or after an outing or whatever I, whatever I did, I always felt mentally just exhausted and I always felt like a fraud because sure I can smile and laugh with the best of them but at the end of the day I was not feeling happy or joyful or anything I was feeling numb or horrible so for me really coming to terms with the idea that it was okay to not to not be okay was the first step for me to really be okay. So I know that I use the word okay a lot. Um, And that's honestly because I don't want to say the word good. I don't want to say the word better. I don't want to say anything besides okay. But at the end of the day, a year ago, I felt so far from being just okay that being okay was the goal. (laughs) Feeling like myself again was the goal because I felt so far removed from who I knew that I was as a person, as a friend, as a son, as an employer, as an employee. I felt so far from being myself that just to be okay 
was ideal. And I will tell you this, one of the most interesting parts for me was trying to figure out my anxiety and my depression because I forever considered those two things to be not made up, but maybe exaggerated. I think I was internally like pushing the idea of people actually being depressed or actually having mental illnesses away. I was pushing those thoughts away because I was afraid to admit that I had those issues. But I I really, I never felt how I felt a year ago or six months ago or last week. And so every time that I feel these new things, it really is like a breathtaking like, oh shit, this is new. How do I, how do I react? How do I adjust? How do I readjust to get myself back realigned? And I posted a thing on Facebook a while back and I'm going to paraphrase it because I forget what I wrote about myself. But basically, my depression and my anxiety doesn't have a schedule. It doesn't have a plan. It doesn't have like a daily routine of, okay, Jake, tomorrow at 2 p.m., you're going to feel like shit. It doesn't have that. It can be the strangest thing. Somebody can walk past me and I smell a cologne and my mind goes left. Or it could be I hear a song and then my mind turns into, oh my God, someone has played this song on purpose because they know that it affects you. And now that it's affecting you, they're watching you freak out. You need to go somewhere else. Go to a room, go to your car, freak out by yourself. They're watching you. And that's how the anxiety works for me. I'm not saying that's how anxiety works for everybody else because I don't think everyone has the same kind of mental illness. Sure, I can say I have anxiety and you can say that you have anxiety, but it causes different kinds of reactions. And for me, I felt at my darkest and most raw parts of my anxiety and my depression, I really questioned if it was me going just fucking crazy or if somebody knew that I was having some mental issues and was fucking with me or if it was me just realizing that I had some issues. Um, In that same post, I, I put that when the anxiety hits or the depression hits, it can last a millisecond or it can last a millennium millennia a long fucking time um basically there's just no rhyme or reason there's 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 no formula for it and so me being a kind of control freak and me being somebody who likes to have a plan to not have a plan on how to be normal and feel okay made me not okay and so getting a grasp on that and kind of teaching myself and reading and talking to others and just trying to figure out like, like how do you do this? What what do you do when you start feeling that that tickle in your throat that you're gonna fucking scream because you're freaking the fuck out? What do you do? And so you know, asking friends and family and you know, just reading things up, educating myself on anxiety and depression has helped me out tremendously. And it's one of those things that I I can't suggested enough that if you feel like you have any kind of mental illness, any kind of personality 
disorder, any kind of any kind of situation that you think you may have, I will tell you as somebody who did it for a year and a half, two years, suppressing it is not the answer. Trying to hide it from others or from yourself will only make it worse because the moment you finally accept it, your world crashes down. Just as a preface, you're going to fall apart. (laughs) The moment you realize that you're not what you thought you were or what you planned on being, your world kind of crashes around you and you see shit burn. I mean, really. But the thing is, though, is that it's up to you and those around you to grab yourself up, them pick you up, and keep fucking moving. Um, and that's the scariest part. So, thankfully for me, my anxiety and depression never manifested itself into self-harm or suicide. I had friends, I've had family, who unfortunately, theirs did. And it's one of those things where it becomes, it becomes a, a healing pattern, or it becomes a, a way to like self-medicate. Um, I had a friend one time who told me that they self-harmed because the physical pain hurt less than the mental anguish they felt. And when they told me that, this was years ago. This is like either a senior year of high school or right after high school. But he told me this, and I thought he was just fucking crazy. I genuinely thought that this person just wants attention, or he just wants to hurt himself. You know, flash forward 13, 14 years later, when I'm sitting in bed... And physically, the idea of my feet hitting the ground to walk out of my bedroom made me afraid to move because of the pain that I would feel. I finally understood that, no, this mental illness shit is a real thing. Like, it's, and it manifests its way, itself in so many different ways. And back to the point is, I am so thankful that mine has not manifested in suicidal thoughts or self-harm thoughts. Um, And I really want to wrap this chapter up with saying that if you are having these thoughts, there are so, so many options. There are so many places for you to, to go. There are so many people to reach out to. Um, you are not alone. You are not sick. You are not weird. You are not unloved, unwanted, or unnecessary. You are important to someone. You're important to me. You're important to your parents. And you are worth fucking being around. So I want to give the number out for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, It's 1-800-273-8255. Again, the number for the National Suicide Prevention prevention lifeline is 1-800-273-8255 they have an online chat they have a phone chat it's 24 hours a day it's secure it's free they are there for you and they've heard everything so don't think that your shit isn't a freak them out because I promise you 
They've heard it all. But you're worth hearing. And you're worth listening to. And you're worth helping. No matter who you are. Alrighty, so as a reminder, I am Jake. This is Diagnosis Wonderlust, and you just listened to chapter one. I appreciate everyone who has stuck around. I know it's been kind of a journey this first chapter. I'm learning. I promise it'll get better as we go. Um, if you can, like, subscribe, and share. I would love some feedback, love some ideas. Um, but at the end of the day, thank you all for listening to me ramble and talk um and i hope that maybe at the end of the day if this touched you or helped you in some kind of way it makes it all worth it so we'll see you guys next time next week um yeah chapter two i'll drop next wednesday night